Hi, you're listening and watching another episode of Cloud and Clear Podcast. Thanks for joining the show. My name is Mike Laramie. I'm the Associate CTO for Security here at SADA. And today's guest has been in the forefront of system security and data privacy research for over 20 years across Microsoft, Google, and Apple. He was the founding CTO of a company called Green Border, whose technology would later become acquired by Google and become the core of sandboxing technology in the Chrome browser. He has over 100 academic articles published and almost 14,000 citations on Google Scholar. And most recently, he joined Lacework back in 2021 as their chief architect to help usher in a new era of cloud security. Thank you for joining us on the Cloud and Clear podcast, Ulfer Erlingson. So we'd like to start our show by giving our listeners an opportunity to get to know our guest. I know we covered a bit uh, in that introduction there, but is there anything you'd like to add about your background for our listeners to get to know you? First of all, thanks, Mike, uh, for letting me be here. It's always great to chat with you. Uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd say that uh, I've been trying to push the state of the art in uh, computer security for my entire career. And I've actually managed to uh, have some success in getting things into production. There are things in, in Windows like address space layout randomization uh, that uh, I help get in there. Uh, there's even stuff at the lowest level of of hardware architectures uh, that restrict uh, bad control flow uh, that I sort of helped uh, get in there. But uh, at the same time, I've been very distraught uh, by how uh, security seems to be continually getting worse. And uh, there are some positive notes, uh, such as uh, I feel that the security on our phones, our smartphones, is actually pretty good. Uh, but in uh, the areas where I've been uh, doing most of my work, uh, which is personal computing and sort of server-side computing, uh, it, it really has felt like uh, we've been running really hard and, and, and sliding backwards all the time. So, and, and that's actually, you know, why I'm at Lacework right now, uh, as opposed to working at the uh, large organizations, because I think at, at Lacework, uh, we have a chance of actually improving things a little bit. The things that jumped out at me when, when I was at Lacework with you, uh, prior to being here at SADA, is that you had a, a Why I'm Here post on the Lacework site when you joined. And in there you stated, like a lot of people who work in security, I got into it by accident. And that really hit home with me because it's one of those things where it was, you take an interest in a few things and you make a few comments in a meeting and all of a sudden you're now the security guy, right? And you're moving forward with that in your career, which, which was cool. Thinking back on how you got into the security space, is there any kind of information, like one or two quick pieces of advice you'd give to folks who want to make that jump into cloud security? What I've found uh, sort of throughout my career is... Uh, it really is motivating when you make things very concrete and it helps clarify uh, sort of a lot of uh, the ambiguity of an ambitious sort of notion like, you know, let's harden our enterprise. Like, what does that even mean? I remember when I was really getting into uh, security uh, early on, I was uh, teaching a course uh, or helping teach a course on security at Cornell and uh we had an assignment that I had to create of how can you actually use the Unix file system access control uh, methods to achieve a particular uh, purpose. And the purpose was something simple, like you have a folder where uh, where uh, users can submit suggestion box type thing. And the suggestions are supposed to be you, but you can't read everybody else's suggestions. And so you can only write to it, but you can't overwrite uh, the things that are already there. And those types of like start with a concrete problem, try to figure out how to solve that using 
uh, the primitives of, say, uh, AWS identities or, uh, you know, S3 buckets and, and so on, and try to see like, hey, this particular use case, can I actually set it up so that it, for some notion of secure, actually is secure, that the right things, only the right things can happen. And I think that those types of diving deep and just doing things uh, really help you a, get hands-on experience with the concepts and, and with the techniques, but, but also help you contextualize the higher level ideas of like, hey, what is, for instance, a lot of people confuse uh, authentication and authorization. And, but if you set up some concrete things and you have some users that can assume some roles and then you actually authorize those roles to do certain things, those uh, ideas get very concrete in your mind. Uh, it's the roles that are authorized, they can do things, but the identities that get authenticated, the they are not, not really authorized to do anything, but they can assume the roles. Uh, so uh, I would... I would suggest doing that, going deep. And, and then I, I would suggest also um, not being bedazzled by the jargon. Uh, there is way too much jargon in the security space. Really, security is about three extremely simple things. And, and we can sort of put that in the context of a house. Uh, you need to close all the windows and doors so you know bad guys or critters don't get in, uh, except for the ones that you're going to use. Uh, so you have to actually have locks and keys for the ones they're going to use. The other ones you you actually want to sort of shutter and 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 lock as tight as you can. But the ones that you're going to use, you're going to have locks and keys, and then you have to authorize and authenticate people. So that the first thing is lock, uh, sort of shuttering the windows and doors is is usually called attack surface reduction that is making things as simple as possible when i was working on windows xp service pack 2 really all we did was turn on the firewall which is shuttering certain uh, uh windows and doors that were open by default in xp and never really should have been uh, so then the second thing of keys and, and, and doors with locks and so on is this authorization and uh, uh, authentication sort of uh, cloud identity and access management uh, is or entitlement management is usually uh, stuff that's talked there. So these are the two things that actually make you secure. There are only these two things that make you secure. And so it's not all that hard and everything sort of fits into one of these two buckets, really, uh, whether it be micro segmentation, which is a way of like closing uh, doors and uh, like shuttering doors and windows uh, to uh, role based access control, which is like keys and so on. Now, but then you have to realize that bad things will still happen. And so you have this third pillar, which is basically investigations, response, forensics, and so on. Those are things that happen after the first two things have failed. And uh, so, and, and that there's a whole bunch of like jargon and keywords in that, but it's all sort of like, let's try to figure out what happened. How, how can we actually like uh, deal with that? How can we like close some more doors and windows to prevent it from happening again, change our keys and locks and so on to prevent it from happening again. But mostly it's an investigative thing. And so keeping some very high level, simple view of security in mind, I think is very useful when trying to look at all this other stuff.
No, that's a and that's an excellent point because I, I think you're spot on there. At the end of the day, every new technology or pillar of cloud security kind of comes back to those three fundamentals, right? Like who's doing what, why are they doing it, and do they need to not be able to do it again, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a really good point. You know, building on that, right, and getting a little bit more into kind of some more of the core topic of the conversation today. So we here at SOD are excited to have Lazework both as a SOD customer as well as part of our, our SaaS Alliance program. And I want to give our listeners a little more background on the company, but I'm interested in your words. Like, what is Lacework? Like, if somebody came in and was like, hey, you know, I, I saw your logo on the street. That looks really slick. Like, what, is, what does Lacework do? What, what's kind of your elevator pitch there? One way of pitching Lacework is... Security is hard, and we know security is hard because, you know, th things have get, been getting worse all the time. Um, and so all companies are being sort of compromised and, and whatnot. We have this open SSL thing right now that, you know, the world is worried about. It's going to. Uh, so security is hard. But lots of organizations have actually achieved some measure of success in sort of having a a, a team that can deal with security. Uh, but the cloud is different. So it's a real different challenge for those teams. And the cloud is actually kind of harder than the sort of business enterprise security team computing because the cloud is constantly changing. And so uh, by that, I mean the cloud service providers, the SaaS providers, the open source software that you're relying on, all of these things are changing whether you like it or not. At least in the enterprise, you could sort of control your own uh, stability. Um, and, and so all of these changes in the cloud and the fact that the cloud is different, it's simply different technologies and so on, mean that you can't take your existing techniques, your existing technologies, your existing processes into the cloud. So you have to have a partner, somebody who's helping you to do that. We think Lacework is the best partner for actually doing security in the cloud. And we think Lacework and our platform, our polygraph uh, data platform is the best approach to securing the cloud because unlike uh, traditional security uh, and sort of what has happened in you know, the security industry, the vendors, they've really focused on the antivirus model of doing security where they're selling lists of known bad things and techniques to detect uh, whether those known bad things are happening. We're actually focusing on helping our customers do good stuff. So we learn what they're trying to do in the cloud. Uh, we learn uh, what normal looks for each specific customer, uh, sort of because each of their environments is unique. And we try to help them maintain and update that environment in a healthy way uh, that allows them uh, to be agile, that doesn't make the security team a blocker, uh, but rather a partner with DevOps of, of uh, updating and improving their environments. And uh, so you can call that anomaly detection. You can call it sort of uh, radical attack surface reduction uh, because we pretty much uh, put a tripwire on anything that you're not doing already. Uh, but this approach of focusing on what the customer really wants to be doing, it's a more uh, business and value centric approach to security. And it really works. So we have almost a thousand customers now at Lacework, and we know that this technique uh, really brings a lot of value and uh, is easier for teams to deal with. 
in a multitude of ways, not just in terms of like the everyday cadence of having uh, fewer things that you need to handle, fewer alerts and so on, but also in the operational sense of being able to hire people into the security team that you can train quickly uh, to do the right type of work and the relationship between the security team and the rest of the organization. Very cool. And that that, that was not an elevator pitch, by the way. No, you- no. Uh, I forget the phrase, but it was like, if you need me to write five pages on this, I can do it in 30 seconds. If you need me to write one page on this, I need five months or something like that. Yes, right? exactly. Um, no, so what rings true there for me is, uh, you know, you've written multiple articles and, and various talks over the years about that idea that security kind of needs to take that data-driven approach versus like a, a rules-based approach, right? Like learn what the expected behavior is as opposed to trying to guess what the most malicious behavior looks like or by the time that you can write a rule to detect that, like it's already too late. Um, you know, there was one particular article you wrote uh, on the Lace Work website back in July 2021 that we'll link to in the show notes about uh, an analogy using a shepherd trying to protect his flock, right? And I use that on, on countless calls. Um, it, it, the idea that Lace Work was taking that approach, was that something that like really drew you to Lace Work or was there something else above and beyond that, that that drove you to join the company? There were really two things that drove me to the company. Uh, and uh, one of them is exactly what you're, you're saying here. I, I've been a huge advocate of using data to uh, try to harden and, and reduce attack services, do that first job of shuttering all the doors and windows that don't need to be open, because that's what I've seen be incredibly effective at improving security in the real world. Uh, so uh, that's, you know, the basis of my company that sort of was the sandboxing technology for Google Chrome. It's what we did in Windows uh, very effectively. We did a tremendous amount of that at Google when hardening Google sort of post uh, 2009, 2010. Uh, so shuttering doors and windows that should not be used is a really fundamentally powerful security technique that eliminates lots of possibilities from attackers but you have to know which ones to shutter and which ones are not you know being used actively but you should be able to use data for that and that's always been my intuition and a a lot of that sort of there are two examples that struck uh, at me one of them was uh, early on when i was working at microsoft the uh, windows solitaire game uh, actually had all of these so-called known dlls uh, loaded into the game by default which means that actually the windows solitaire game could at all times be uh, a web server or a remote access tool or a, uh, a any number of other things because all of the code to doing that was already linked into the uh, address base of the solitaire game. Now, in normal operations, clearly the solitaire game is not like uh, downloading things off a torrent, but it could. But why should you let it, given the fact that we have like so much information that the solitaire game should be a sort of a, a local only on this machine interacting via the mouse mostly with the user. Um, so. That always felt like somehow we should be able to like just delete that functionality or somehow uh, put it into hibernation or suspension inside the solitaire game. It really isn't, even though it's there, it shouldn't be used or you shouldn't allow it to be used. 
And soon after I joined Google, uh, there was a second instance, which uh, I think may be similar to the OpenSSL vulnerability we're going to see tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get the details on that uh, November 1st. Uh, was Heartbleed. So Heartbleed came out soon after I joined uh, Google. And uh, what struck me there was Heartbleed was this huge problem that affected the entire world, but it was because of an extremely dusty corner in the OpenSSL stack. It was a heartbeat message that basically nobody had ever sent to anybody for any reason. Certainly Google had never received or responded to such messages, uh, but it was there in the stack. It, Google could respond to such messages uh, because we were using the full library. But why hadn't we learned from our uh, use cases that, hey, actually, like we nobody is sending us these messages and we shouldn't be responding to them uh, or our servers uh, should not want to provide that functionality, even though it's baked into the library. And so at Google, I tried for a long time to use those data driven techniques to find windows and doors to shutter. Uh, things that are in the house, but uh, really shouldn't be used. Just because they're in the house doesn't mean that anybody uh, is using those functionalities. And if you leave them open, then bad things can happen. And I frankly, I, I didn't succeed. And I didn't succeed because uh, as often uh, with data-driven techniques, there is this initial chicken and egg problem of how do you get enough data to build something that's good uh, because if you don't have anything good, then, you know, it's really hard to convince people to give you data, especially if it costs a lot or like it's really difficult or so on. So when I saw that Lacework had basically solved this chicken and egg problem, so they had customers that were happy, uh, had uh, over 100 customers when I joined. And uh, they were getting all of the necessary data to do a really good job. And by all accounts, they were doing a good job on this approach to security, figuring out what are all the things that should not be happening and making sure that uh, security teams were alerted if they ever happened. Um, so, so that was like half of why I joined. There's this excitement of like finally uh, I get to be part of like moving security forward in this uh, data driven way that I've been passionate about and I totally think is the right thing. The other aspect actually is money. And because I want to really have impact in the world. And when I joined, Lacework had just gotten like half a billion uh, in funding. And uh, I saw that, hey, here's a company with an actual opportunity to change how security works. They, there, there is a significant chance that they're well-funded enough to be able to succeed on this mission of, of changing the way the security industry is supporting their customers. And so, so I came here really because of the, uh, the type of impact that Lacework is trying to do is what I wanted to do, but also the chance of being able to have that impact is something that, you know, I'm, extremely excited about and I'd love to like you know finish my career having helped uh, move security to to a better place you know to a place maybe more similar to what we can do on our phones uh, these years that's awesome and you know just a right right opportunity at the right time right like it's just exactly yeah and I, I mean I had a fantastic gig at Apple where I was in charge of privacy technologies and Apple is fanatical about privacy so uh, uh, it was 
also a an impactful job, but uh, still I left that team in in good hands, and uh, I, I think that you know I can do better for the world being here at Lacework than uh, there. Excellent. Um, quick side question, because you mentioned something uh, in that answer that really caught my ear, and the idea around. Uh, Parts, you know, I, I saw the talk uh, that you gave about uh, solitaire, and I had no idea that it had a complete network stack in it. And that, like, just I just started cracking up, laughing about it because that wasn't something that we considered back in, you know, the Windows three one one days. But like nowadays, that would have been taken advantage of immediately, right? So for things like that, where uh, you know you kind of have these. Uh, code practices or the, this code being written that is maybe importing stuff that it doesn't necessarily need. Do you see the industry kind of moving towards that type of analysis where you're saying like, hey, we've watched this application run for a while and you've never used you know, this part of the code base. Like, should you look at shedding that? Is that something that you think uh, we'll see in the in the near future? I, I think I think it, it has to be. And, you know, Lacework is going to spearhead that movement. I, and the reason I think it has to be is that no code is written from scratch anymore. It's all a composition, co composition of these huge libraries and huge sort of underlying stacks. And uh, if you do not, uh, if you do not restrict things, if you do not sort of project out or uh, constrain executions in some way, then you're going to have to pay the price of the entire stack. And uh, so let's take like you're trying to serve out some static web pages and you're using a LAMP stack for this. But because of it's a LAMP stack, then, uh, you know, you're going to have some interpretable stuff. You're going to have like Perl or Python or PHP or something that's right in there. But you're just trying to serve out some static web pages. Well, guess what? Now you're paying the price of, you know, all of the possible complexities of configuration of, you know, Perl, Python and, and, and so on. And what might possibly happen there? Uh, you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of lines of code that you're using potentially to do this very simple thing that really is being accomplished by, you know, a, a, a tiny sliver of a fraction of the code base. And so software is going to be full of bugs for a long time moving forward. And, you know, even when software won't have bugs, there will be logic bugs and configuration bugs and, and so on, because humans will still be involved. So uh, it's just... Uh, it's impossible that the industry will be able to pay for all of that complexity, for all of that uh, uh, surface area, um, of because you know thinking of it in, as an attack surface area, uh, when only doing a tiny sliver. So we can take actually this into the cloud. So uh, AWS launches uh, two thousand new services and features and functionalities every year. GCP and, you know, we're partnering with SATA, you know, for GCP and so on. Is it like slightly less, like 1,000? But um, imagine if every single customer had to be an expert in securing all 1,000 things, even if all they did was host like a WordPress site uh, on GCP. And like, that's clearly just not a realistic uh, scenario. It, it can't possibly be the case. But that's kind of what we're doing with software these days. We're, we're actually making everybody pay for all of its potential problems and power uh, while you're only getting the benefits of a tiny fraction. That's a good, great insight there. 
Speaking uh, insight coming out of Lacework, one of the things that I enjoy reading is there's a, a periodic release from the Lacework Lab teams called the Cloud Threat Report. And the, the most recent edition in there kind of outlines something that dovetails nicely into that conversation where teams are beginning to find novel ways to automate, you know, kind of the, the initial stages of these zero day exploits so that they can, you know, kind of create these attacks at scale and have more impact, even though, you know, the, the CVU or the, the exploit was just released, right? So kind of some of the core tenets of that, the latest report available on the Lacework website is the, you know, increased speed from exposure to compromise and the focus on, you know, virtualization infrastructure, core networking vulnerabilities. And then still, even though it feels like we went through, you know, countless iterations of, of fixes for it, uh, continued log4j exploitation. Um, yep. Which of those, uh, you know, kind of items that the Lacework Labs team focused on, like kind of, are you seeing the most out uh, in the field or, or within Lacework and, you know, any great stories around, you know, how customers have dealt with these? Well, I, I think our polygraph approach to security is, is you know, helping customers catch a lot of these things uh, as they're being actively exploited. So it's just like if we take log4j, there is such a long tail uh, of uh, getting rid of things and then you get rid of it all and then you realize, oh my God, there was a release that happened here and actually it pulled in an old version of log4j and it's doing it in a way where the static code scanning stuff and so on or the, the disk scanning doesn't catch it. And so so these things keep popping up. Uh, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. And uh, what's, what's cool about the Polygraph data platform is that we will actually catch the exploits like pretty much right away. And uh, we can do that even if there is various variants and so on, because we, we like focus on the uh, changed behavior, not like these patterns in the input data and so on that cause that changed behavior. So, so we have a lot of success stories for customers with both new problems that are popping up, but also these long tail problems. The one anecdote that I'll say uh, that, you know, is, is pretty cool right now is with this open SSL thing that will come tomorrow is how we can actually proactively help uh, customers prep for an upcoming uh, sort of vulnerability fix. And so, so we have basically our entire customer code base uh, because of some things we released at the end of last week. Uh, we have our entire customer code base already aware of where they need to go and fix vulnerabilities in OpenSSL. So they have their finger on the trigger. As soon as uh, the new version uh, shows up, uh, they can actually roll it out uh, to existing environments. And that's through a combination of uh, things, not just scanning uh, images and repositories and so on, but also scanning uh, active uh, processes with that may have loaded the uh, OpenSSL library uh, from a non-standard place, et cetera, et cetera. So a really thorough uh, sort of inventory uh, that allows them to then prep their remediation scripts and so on uh, in anticipation of the, uh, the fixed uh, uh, version of the software. I think that's one of the coolest sort of uh, because of the visibility. If we we sort of the Polygraph data platform is is based on this like really pervasive visibility of all of the static artifacts like the uh, uh, passenger manifests of who's getting on the airplane, but also on like visibility and absolutely everything that happens on the airplane itself. Uh, so so we can really more pervasively uh, uh, inventory like those places that need to get fixed. 
I saw that. I saw that there was a uh, a release about that um, or a preview of the release about that. And I think that that's really, for me, that was like a really unique thing that Lacework was was capable of, of was saying like, hey, you know, here are these libraries and here's where they are and here's where they're communicating and, you know, search for this in the platform and we'll tell you where you need to go, like prioritize your remediations. And I think that that's a, a super powerful part of the Lacework tool that sometimes gets overlooked is that ability to help prioritize the remediation efforts when there is something like this. Like in this type of workflow for security teams, it's all about prioritization. So there's always going to be more of these vulnerable things or these, uh, you know, small issues in different parts of the uh, uh, organization, at, at least if the organization is uh, not of a tiny size. Uh, and so figuring out which ones do you really need to fix or which ones are just some uh, libraries that are sitting on the disks, but they're they're not even loaded into memory. So, uh, you know, they really there is no urgency of actually going and fixing them. Uh, those are the things that our customers ask for the most. Excellent. Um, I think to kind of the third party space, another recent announcement out of Lacework is uh, coming out of Google Cloud Next, there is uh, an integration that was launched with uh, Google's Chronicle security offering. Can you share with our listeners like a little more background on Chronicle and the integration and, and why Lacework targeted that uh, coming out of Next? Chronicle is a really interesting effort by Google. And, you know, I was actually there in the Google security team when when uh, Chronicle started. And I, you know, uh, the founders of Chronicle, uh, technical founders, uh, Mike and Shapur were colleagues of mine that I knew very well. And it really was an effort to up the security game of uh, Google's customers by taking the lessons and techniques that the Google security team had developed and uh, helping customers make use of those uh, as best practices. And uh, in, in many ways, it's sort of a, an effort that mirrors uh, Lacework's uh, mission, uh, although the techniques they used were uh, quite different, sort of more traditional techniques. And uh, right now, after Chronicle has been integrated into uh, sort of mainline Google Cloud offerings, uh, really what it does really well that that we in, can integrate with is is give context to all of these things that you might need to do and so in Lacework, we do a good job giving an overview of your environment and uh, what things you might need to pay attention to. But with Chronicle, we can pair that up with sort of the full context of uh, the rest of Google security uh, tools and offerings and the techniques that are embedded into uh, uh, the Chronicle platform. Excellent. Um, any other announcements our customers should be looking forward to from, from Lacework that you can talk about now? or? <laughs> that, that's a great question. Well, I think uh, you'll continue to see us uh, investing in uh, sort of our site scanning uh, approach to visibility. So one thing that has been very popular with uh, especially larger and more complicated organizations that uh, have great difficulty integrating with CICD pipelines or like, you know, basically where the complexity of operations is so high that uh, very few uh, things that improve security can be done with ease. Uh, this this notion of scanning the hard disks, of site scanning, taking snapshots and looking at what's there has been uh, uh, very popular in recent years. So uh, 
Lacework has already launched uh, our, and we've announced this sort of our side scanning functionality, and we're really proud of how we do that. It's extremely lightweight. Uh, it runs completely in the customer's environment. So uh, the code from Lacework runs as the customer actually, and he's even account, you know, built to the customer in their environments. And um, it, so, so Lacework never has to mount or see any uh, snapshots that might contain our customers' customer data, like any PII and so on. So you don't have to worry about the entitlements that you're giving uh, Lacework for this functionality because you literally give us none. Uh, so you do run some code that, and the code is extremely lightweight. Uh, we can actually do this out of uh, serverless Fargate instances uh, without creating any easy to uh, uh, machines that mount volumes and so on, which, you know, is... Uh, definitely a huge advance in the state of the art compared to our competitors. And uh, we've already launched vulnerabilities, secrets and, and other things, but you'll see a succession of, of more things coming very recently, sort of very soon uh, that improve, you know, give some uh, Kim-like functionality and, uh, and more prioritization back to this notion of like one of the things you really want is prioritization. So we don't think sort of side scanning uh, is, you know, the only way to get visibility and, and it should, but it's an interesting and important part of your uh, sort of suite of techniques you might want to use for visibility, especially in those hard to reach, hard to manage or, uh, or, or hard to organize uh, uh, workloads. That makes sense. Uh, make it you know, easier to meet the customer where they're at in their security journey, right? Yeah, exactly. It's and and we we have a number of efforts that we're having there, uh, like say uh, installing and configuring things uh, so that uh, you can actually get our agent and agentless uh, uh, offerings uh, fully into your environment without having to uh, sort of integrate in a particular way into uh, the deployment process, which, you know, many organizations like the deployment process is a Baroque custom thing. It's not like everybody's using like really state-of-the-art Terraform uh, or CloudFormation. And so, uh, so exactly meeting the customer where they are at, uh, you know, increasing time to value. Uh, so uh, reducing time to value, I should say, uh, increasing velocity. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, pivoting towards the, the business side of it, uh, just real quick, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're super excited to have Lacework as, as a customer and as part of our alliances program. What were kind of some of the contributing factors that, that drove Lacework to choosing uh, SADA and, and what are you most looking forward to in our partnership? I think there, there's, a, there's a couple of things here. We, we always love to work with partners, especially when, you know, those partners uh, bring added value to our joint customers. Uh, so, and SATA is really our key partner in the GCP space other than Google itself. And uh, so, so really meeting uh, our customers uh, through SATA, uh, Bring awareness uh, to uh, you know Lacework and what we can actually do through knowledgeable partners. Like you know, you worked at Lacework, you know what we can do. You know that we can be a win-win for customers, and we need to get that uh, word out 
from not only ourselves and through marketing and so on, but also through uh, reliable, trustworthy partners that have an established relationship with uh, customers. And and so I, I think that, you know, the way I look at our, our partnership here, it's like it's just bringing that new avenue for uh, a customer win uh, by having us collaborate as uh, as, as two arms of the uh, uh, support network uh, for that customer. And, uh, and I really think of this as sort of a customer support story. Running in the cloud and running securely in the cloud is hard and, and companies need help. You know, not, uh, none of our customers you know, can afford to do what we did at Google, which is you know, hire thousands of the world's best security people and you know, spend unlimited amount of money and you know, have an, an unlimited mandate to stop things and so on. Customers need help. And you know, it's great to have partners helping us help our customers. And that's you know, kind of our recurring theme here as well at SADA is to, you know, one of our core tenants in, in, within the company is to make our customers rave, right? Like, let's bring our expertise and the best of breed tools that we can find out in the industry and make sure that they're doing what's best for, you know, their posture and their program. So super excited to see the uh, partnership grow with Lacework. You know, I, I obviously I enjoyed working with y'all, um, you know. We were so sorry to see you go, but like you're still in the family. We're still like I said, I, I wasn't going far, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. With that said, Oliver, thank you so much for taking time. I know we're running up a, against the clock here, but we always like to close our show out with like future predictions, and we t- sprinkled it through a little bit throughout the conversation. But like as a summary, you know, where do you see the security conversation heading in the coming years or the coming year? And let's just focus on one at a time at this rate. <laughs> right? Well, I, I think in the coming year, it'll sort of be a transition year, I think, as we now have an increased number of large organizations that are being forced to move into the cloud and uh, being forced to adapt to this new reality of constant churn and constant change. And so I think that uh, what has been uh, called drift management and so on in, in the past and so on, uh, those aspects of the dynamicism and uh, sort of potential for unexpected changes is going to uh, become a primary topic of conversation. And, uh, you know, the security industry is super happy with buzzwords. So there'll probably be a buzzword around that. And, you know, they'll probably hype it up as this new thing and so on. But it's really, there is a fundamental problem with change management and just visibility into what might be changing. And is that change okay or not that, uh, I know our customers are struggling with, and I know, especially for large organization where the number of changes uh, that might be happening any given day is is tremendous. And most of them are gonna be benign and intended and so on, but how do you actually discriminate between the two? So I, so I think that uh, those, uh, that fundamental problem I think will uh, become a hot topic in, in the next year. And it may be that it'll be tied to, uh, you know, things like uh, supply chain risk with open source software and so on. So I don't know exactly how it'll surface, uh, uh, you know, or like, the, for instance, there is uh, uh, SaaS posture management is becoming a, like a hot topic and so on. But, uh, you know, I think it's all about um, 
dealing with configurations, change, uh, what actually uh, is, is happening in your environment uh, and how is that different from what happened yesterday or for what happen- what's happening in, in similar customers as, as you in other environments. Great point. I think, you know, I can't wait to see what the acronym is going to be for drift detection, but I think you're spot on there. And then you touched on something there that I actually hadn't thought about because everybody thinks about drift detection with, you know, things like Terraform or CloudFormation, like what's the state of my cloud infrastructure. But there hasn't really been a focus on drift from like the the software bill of materials versus what's currently running. Right. right? So that's going to be, yeah, no, spot on. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank our listeners for, for listening in with us. You know, we'll have some links in the show notes to some of the articles that we talked about that Alpha has written uh, over the past, you know, 20 plus years. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see what the finished product looks like. Yeah, well, it's a journey, so I don't know if we'll ever be finished. But you know, we're a maturing platform where we're getting uh, you know more functionality and 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 more comprehensiveness uh, all the time. So, as always, like fantastic chatting with you, Mike. And you know, next time we'll uh, you know have to do this over beers. I was going to say we'll do that. Yeah, we'll find a pub next time. We'll do this in person. We'll bring the equipment with us. Yes, awesome. <laughs> Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. 